Father, thank you for this evening. Thank you for your word, Lord, that we get to open up. Uh, Lord, the fact that we get to uh, worship you, Lord, right now and, and not fearing that, that uh, people are going to come in and, and keep us from being able to worship you, Lord. Uh, there's parts all over the world, Lord, that, that do have that fear and aren't uh, blessed with the freedoms that we have, Lord, so we do thank you for that. Uh, Father, we do lift up our pastor to you, Lord, and just ask that you would continue uh, to be with him as he heals, Lord, that he would be able to be here next weekend. And uh, Father, we just lift up this evening to you, Lord, that you would be with us, that the message that you have had, had recorded here, Lord, uh, would ring through. Lord, I pray that you would fill uh, all of us, Lord, with your Holy Spirit, Lord, so that we can have a proper understanding of, of what went on that night, Lord, uh, before you were betrayed, before you went to the cross, Lord, and the message that you were trying to get across to your disciples, Lord, and the message that you're trying to get across to us as well. God, we love you so much. We thank you. We thank you for the salvation that we have. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, guys, so let's uh, read the entire passage, and then uh, we'll go back around and break some of it down. So John chapter 13, verse 1. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, that he should depart from this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And supper being ended, the devil, having already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going to God, rose from supper and laid aside his garments, took a towel and girded himself. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel which, was, which he was girded. He was girded. Verse 6, then he came to Simon Peter, and Peter said to him, Lord, are you washing my feet? Jesus answered and said to him, what I am doing you do not understand now, but you will know after this. Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you have no part with me. Simon Peter said, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. And Jesus said to him, he who is bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean, and you are clean, but not all of you. Verse 11, for he knew who would betray him, therefore he said, you are not all clean. So when he had washed their feet, taken his garments, and sat down again, he said to them, do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you say, well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Most assuredly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who sent greater than he who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Guys, it opens up this passage where Jesus is at the final hour. It says, um, Jesus knew that his hour had come, that he should depart. Now, if you've read the Gospel of John, all throughout the Gospel, John is leading up to this moment. Guys, uh, chapters 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17 are the, are the most intimate chapters that Jesus has with his disciples. He's giving them examples, the last words that he's going to speak to them before he goes to the cross. He has less than 24 hours at this very moment right now before he is going to be crucified. And so he's giving this opportunity for them. You know, he spent three years going through Israel, uh, healing people and, and, and touching people and teaching others. And now he's taken this final moments to be with his disciples. And John says when his hour had come. In John chapter 2, when Jesus is at the wedding at Cana, they ran out of wine. And his mother comes to him and says, hey, they ran out of wine. 
And he tells her, woman, what does that have any concern to do with me? My hour has not yet come. In John chapter 4, he's speaking to a woman at the well. And he tells the woman, an hour is coming when you will not worship here in Jerusalem, but you will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. I believe it's in John chapter 7 where his brothers are trying to tempt him to go to Jerusalem. And he's like, my hour is not yet come, but your hour is always here. So this is the final hour, the final moments for Jesus' life, who he was in control of the entire time. And it tells us right here that in the beginning, it says that he knew that he should depart from this world and that he was going to the Father. And what does he do? Those final moments, what would you do if you knew it was your time, that your time was up? How are you going to spend that? In one of the translations, it says that Jesus was showing the extent of his love to his disciples. Now, it's Valentine's Day weekend. And ladies, you're hoping that your husband or your boyfriend is going to show you the extent of his love for you. My wife just said Texas Roadhouse, right? <laughs> but what is Jesus going to do? Because what the disciples might have thought that was going to be the extent of Jesus' love wasn't what they expected. It wasn't what they expected. And so it says that he loved them to the end. Now, this is a passage about service, right? Serving. But it's mainly a passage on love. Because a lot of times, and even studying this message, you know, a lot of people were bringing up about, you know, we need to serve. Jesus is giving us an example to serve. But it is very possible for us to serve without love. But it is not possible to love and not serve. And that's the point that Jesus is coming across. If you remember in, in uh, Matthew 7, Jesus says, hey, many are going to come to me and say, Lord, Lord. And I'm going to say, depart from me, for I never knew you. And then he lists a bunch of different services that those people are giving that they did. But guess what? There was one thing lacking. There wasn't love. And it wasn't the love of Christ. And this is what he's going to show us. Verse 2, he talks about, uh, John says, And supper being ended, the devil having already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. Jesus is going to wash the disciples' feet. And guess who else is there also? Judas Iscariot. And did you, did you notice that it also said his dad? Simon's son? Parents, you know, I was talking with Jason Tinney about this on Friday. And he's like, you know, during this time of the year, it, I always start, my heart just goes out to the seniors. And he's like, I know you're in the same boat also. Because we've seen, unfortunately, too many times, kids are in youth group and they seem on fire and they go to camp and they do all these things, but as soon as they leave high school and as soon as they go off, they fall off. And, and think of this man's son right here. This man, the only time that you're named in the Bible is that you had the son who betrayed Jesus. Guys, and as a children's ministry staff, we get together before we have services and we pray and, and, and it breaks our heart because, because of COVID, there's so many families that haven't been coming to church and the numbers are down and, and we're praying. Man, we hope that they're still getting Bible time because how often, if you're not coming to church, you're really not reading, you're not really spending that time with the kids. Guys, and we have to be focused on pouring into our kids. And listen to what it says. It says, he put it, it, the devil having put it already into the heart of Judas Iscariot. 
You know, Pastor Pat's in Ephesians right now, and he's getting ready in a couple weeks probably to go on the armor of God. Why is that important? Well, look at what happened to Judas. He didn't have that armor. Now, some might wonder, well, did Judas lose his salvation? Was he a believer and then became an unbeliever? No, Judas was a make-believer from the very beginning. He was a poser. He was a hypocrite. He was walking with Jesus, but he wasn't serving Jesus, and he wasn't there with the right motive. And we have to check ourselves. The Bible tells us that we need to examine ourselves. Are we just coming to church? Are we just getting the word? But it's never penetrating? Hey, it's our job as, as pastors to get the word to you, but it's your responsibility to get the word in you. And then verse 3, it says, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, that he had come from God and was going to God, rose from supper and laid aside his garments and took a towel and girded himself. He has all power at this moment. Well, he had it from the very beginning. But John is very clear about saying all power. He knew all things. What do you do when you have all power? What do you do when you have all authority? Are you, are you, in, are you, what is it like to work underneath you? Are you the leader in your home? What's it like to be a family member in your home? Because Jesus here, having all power and all authority, doesn't take advantage of that. You know, Philippians tells us, it says this, let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. Jesus didn't think, hey, I need to hang on to my deity. I need to be who I am. I need to show them who I am. I don't need to. He didn't think of it robbery. He emptied himself from that. And that's the exact picture that happened here. And I wonder if, if Paul got that from understanding what happened here, where Jesus laid aside his garment. He laid aside that deity. And he took the role as a servant. What is it like when you have all authority? I got a text message a, a couple months ago from somebody um, close in, in my circle, family-related-wise. And he put this text out there, and he's like, I just got this certification from the university of, of such and such. I'm not going to get too specific, but in the verse, university of such and such, and it's going to allow me to be a, a financial analyst. It's the highest uh, credentials, blah, 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 blah. And I was in a thread, and all the, and unfortunately, this guy's an egomaniac, and I was, you know, waiting to see what the comments were going to be, and people are, congratulations, and you're doing awesome, blah, 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 blah. And somebody asked a question, well, what do those credentials get you? What does that mean? And he's like, well, I get to work with uh, higher profile clients. It's going to be more money. And then this is the kicker. And, I, and, you, and unfortunately, I knew he was going to say this. He's like, and it will command respect from my peers. I was like, dang, man. No wonder you're such a jerk, dude. <laughs> Sorry. But that's why. All power, all authority. I got this. Not, I'm going to be able to help those under me. I'm going to help other people achieve what they really want to achieve. No. It will command, and it won't even, I will be able to finally get the respect. It will command respect. That's not what Jesus does here. Guys, and that's not who we're supposed to be. It's sad because in Luke 22, it tells us that at this very moment, the disciples are gathered around together, and you know what they're doing? 
They're arguing about who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom. You have the greatest there. See, back in those days, it was customary that you would wash your feet. You would have your feet washed when you would walk into somebody's home. Imagine being out at the beach all day, and then you're going to go into somebody's home, right? You're not going to want to carry that into their house. And they would have a servant that would be the one to wash the feet. Normally, in a lot of the commentaries, we're saying that it would, be, it would, it would not be a Jew. It would be a Gentile, because it, it wasn't even appropriate for a Jew to wash another Jew's feet is what some of the commentaries were saying. Well, guess what? This place where they're gathered at, Jesus had to borrow it. He was, he was borrowing this place. He didn't have a servant there. And these disciples gathered around were probably like, hey, you need to wash the feet. No, you need to wash the feet. No, I'm the great. And they're probably having that argument. And Jesus is the one that gets up and goes and gets this basin. And listen, why does he do it? Not out of duty, not out of service, but out of love. Paul tells us in, in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 13, where, you know, that whole passage of, of what love is all about, right? Love is patient, love is kind, love is not selfish. Love, when he goes into that whole thing. But right before he gets to that point, he says, you know, I can give away all my things to the poor, but if I have not love, I'm nothing. I can even offer my body to be burnt up but if I have not love, I gain nothing. We need to be focused at our service and the things that we do is not rooted for selfish ambition. Paul also says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit. Don't do things so that you can get accolades for it. Selfish ambition is when I do something because somebody else is going to do something for me. Or conceit, or I'm going to do something in order for me to get the praise because I did something. He says that's not how we're supposed to be. And Jesus also in Luke 22, right after they're having this discussion, it, Luke tells us that he says, hey, you know what? You want to be great? You need to be the servant. But Jesus is going to demonstrate what that really looks like. So Jesus gets up. He lays aside his, his garments. He wraps uh, a towel around his waist. He grabs this basin, and he starts washing the disciples' feet. Verse 6, then he came to Simon Peter, and Peter said to him, Lord, are you washing my feet? Think of that, right? Captain Obvious. He's like, you, you shouldn't be doing this. It's almost like when John the Baptist was, you know, baptizing, and then Jesus came up to John the Baptist, and he's like, whoa, hey, I, I'm not supposed to be, you're supposed to be baptizing me, right? It's almost that whole same scene. And then Jesus, verse 7, Jesus answered and said to him, what I am doing you do not understand now. But you will after this. You know, it says that Jesus loved them to the end. At this point, you would figure, you know, if somebody was making the story up, you'd be like, oh, they were at their fullest, the disciples would know, right? And that's how we know that, this, that, that what we have is true. Because the disciples, they still didn't get it. In a, little, in, in, in a couple verses, still within this chapter, a little while later, Jesus is going to tell them, and he's going to say, hey, I'm going away. And you can't come with me right now. And Peter's going to be like, what do you mean you're going away? How can I not come with you? I'll, I'll die for you. And then a little bit while, Jesus is like, don't be troubled. I'm going away to prepare a place for you in the way you know. And Thomas is going to be like, whoa, whoa, what do you mean you're going to go away? We don't know where you're going. And how are we going to get there? And then Jesus has to tell Thomas, Thomas, I am the way, the truth, and the life. 
And then, he, and then right after that, he's going to tell them, and you know, and if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And Philip's like, just show us the Father, it'll be sufficient. And Jesus is like, Philip, have we not been together the last three years? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. These guys were clueless. clueless. They were not ready to, to, they were not ready or prepared for what was going to happen. And listen, Jesus loved them to the end. He didn't, he didn't baby them. But he loved them and he showed them an example to follow. So Peter says, um, verse 7, when Jesus answered him, he said, what I'm doing you will not understand now, but you will after this. Verse 8, Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered him, if I do not wash, you have no part with me. Guys, humility, it, it, it talks about, you know, you're humble if you serve, Right? It talks about humility, and we can understand that. If you read any leadership books, you know, Jim Collins, Good to Great. You can read uh, John Maxwell, 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership. And they're all going to talk about servant leadership. But if you flip the words around, it's a, the lead servant. And we can all understand that we need to be humble. We need to serve. But one of the ways that you can really tell if you're humble, and for guys, this is the hardest thing for us to do, is to receive something and accept it. That's sometimes the hardest thing. Have you ever got a Christmas gift and you didn't get a Christmas gift for that person? And you're like, well, I didn't get them a Christmas gift because I didn't think they were gonna get me one. And then you get the Christmas gift and then guess what you do? Oh, well, Christmas isn't until, you know, I had the gift at home and I was gonna bring it to you, right? And then you go sneak off and you buy them something because you, you, you have to have it. You, you gotta be even. You feel like you owe them. Or, or guys, guys are notorious for this, right? You go and you like, you open the door and another guy opens up the door and you're like, no, you go first. And the guy's like, no, you go first. No, you go first. You know what I mean? It's like, hey, you gotta be humble and just, all right, thanks for opening the door for me. Guys, true humility is being able to accept that. And that's what Peter wasn't able to do. And we know that Peter wasn't humble. We know that he was, he was very prideful. We know that and we see that in the gospels. Just like we're all prideful and we have those moments. He had to accept that gift and just accept it. There was one time that, that, that our family had got gifted something and I came to Pastor Powell, I was like, dude, I can't accept that. He's like, look, you need to accept it. It's like, it has been something that has given and somebody is blessing you. Don't take away their blessing from them. And that is super hard. And that's where Peter's at. Hey, you're not gonna wash my feet, Jesus. What's wrong with you? And then listen to what Jesus says. Hey, if I don't wash you, he says, if I do not wash you, you have no part with me. Listen, listen very carefully. He doesn't say, if I don't wash your feet, right? Because what's going on right here is, a, is something spiritual. It's like the woman at the well, right? Remember Jesus is talking to the woman at the well, and he's like, hey, you're going to drink of this water, and you're only going to thirst again. And then he's like, but if you drink the water that I give you, you'll never thirst. She's like, how are you? What? You don't even have a bucket. What are you talking about? She didn't understand, because it's all spiritual. It's, it's a physical truth, but it's, but it's, it's a spiritual truth, done through the physical. And so Jesus is saying, if I don't wash you, you have no part with me. Well, listen, Peter wanted that. He did want to be part with Jesus. And this is, listen to what Peter says. Peter said, um, Lord, not my feet only, right? Verse 9. Simon Peter said, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head, right? Peter's like, all right, well, if I'm going to have no part, then you got to go all in. And guess what? You need to wash me better than you washed everybody else, Jesus. Guys, and that's how we get sometimes. Listen, 
That's how we get sometimes because guess what? We're not allowing Jesus to really truly wash us. We're trying to measure ourselves by in what we do and how we're different to others. You cannot judge your humility from the person to the left and to the right of you. You need to judge your humility to Jesus Christ. That's who we need to gauge our humility. Are you humble? If you're like, yeah, I'm humble. No, nope, you gotta try again, right? If you're quick to say that, we gotta look to Jesus to see where we're at. And here's another thing too. Simon Peter's like, hey, all right, my hands, my head, all this other stuff. Guys, we cannot dictate to Jesus what he needs to do. And that's what a lot of the times that we come to Jesus and we're demanding of him and what he's really trying to give us. We need to accept what he's giving us, accept what he's doing. And so Jesus breaks it down for him. He says, he who is bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean and you are clean, but not all of you, for he knew who would betray him. Therefore he said, you are all not clean, right? Very, I mean, very basic, right? Think about this. You wake up in the morning, you shower, you go about your day, it's lunchtime, and what do you do before you eat lunch? Hopefully, you wash your hands, right? You don't be like, oh, it's lunchtime, now I gotta go shower so I can eat lunch. No, you just need to wash your hands. Why? Because your hands have gotten dirty and got some germs on it along the way, and you don't want to be putting that stuff in your mouth, right? Real basic. Going back to their time, you know what I mean? If any of you guys have spent time in Iraq, you know what the dirt is like over there. It's like, I mean, it's sand, right? And so guess what? As we walk through this world, we're going to get dirty, and we do need a cleansing. Now, this isn't baptism, because that's, you know, as you read some of the commentaries, they're throwing out all these ideas. This isn't an example of baptism. And did you notice how he says, you're already all clean? Man, some of the songs that we were singing tonight, I'm like, oh, man. One of them was like, your grace has already washed me. Right? That's already come. And it's right here, that example of, of listen, they already had this grace. Jesus hadn't died yet. And it's kind of like what Pastor Pat was talking about, how he's been talking about in Hebrews with Abraham. When was the righteousness counted to Abraham? When he received the promise or before he received the promise? When? I don't know. Anybody know? It was before he received the promise. It was counted righteous to him because he trusted God. He had faith in God and he followed after God before he received the promise. They accepted that. Now, something very important here. He brings up the point of not all of you are clean. And he was talking about Judas Iscariot specifically. Now, let's look at Judas. And let's look at all the disciples. They all studied three years at the, at the Bible College of Jesus Christ. Every single lesson and every single teaching was done by Jesus Christ. And yet, Judas still didn't receive that. And the bad thing about it is, is guess what? People are going to try to wash themselves. They're going to try to cleanse themselves. Because, just like we sang about it, that guilt and that shame. And Jesus was preparing them because he knew that the disciples were going to betray him. He knew that the disciples were going to disperse from him. He knew that they were not going to stand by him. He knew that already. And he washes them before they even do that. Now, after this, there's four different washings that go on. Judas Iscariot, if you read Matthew 27, after this, after Jesus is betrayed and taken and is arrested, Judas feels remorse. Not repentance, he feels remorse. He feels bad for what he did. 
And you see Judas, and, and, and the account is, Judas gets the money, the 30 pieces of silver, and what does he do with it? He goes to the priest and says, here, take this back. He's trying to wash himself clean. Do you see that? He's trying to wash himself clean. And, hey, take this. And what do the priests do? Oh, that's blood money. We can't take that. We can't put that to the temple. We're going to go pie that potter's field next, to, next door. The priests are trying to make themselves clean. That's two washings. And then what happens after that? What happens when Jesus is taken up to Pilate? And they're like, crucify him, crucify him. And Pilate's like, I see nothing wrong with him. He's innocent. They're like, crucify him, crucify him. And what does Pilate do? Pilate gets a basin of water and he washes his self clean. Hey, I'm clean from this. That's what he does. He was trying to wash himself clean from the betrayers that were trying to betray Jesus. Jesus didn't wash his hands clean from the betrayers. He washed their feet. And then the fourth washing, Judas. He can't take it, and what does he do? He goes and he hangs himself. He goes and he commits suicide. Why? Because the reason why we murder, the reason why we commit suicide, the reason why we abort babies is because there's something wrong. There was a mistake that was made. Something isn't right. And in order to clean that, guess what? Somebody has to pay the penalty for it. That's why the message of the gospel is so important, knowing that, guess what? Nobody has to die for this because Jesus has already died for the forgiveness. He has already washed it clean. But somebody has to pay the price when we try to wash ourselves clean. And that's why Jesus says, no, I need to wash you clean. How do we know that Jesus wasn't a believer? Because he tried to wash himself and take it into his own hands. Verse 12. So when he had washed their feet, taken his garments, and sat down again, he said to them, do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you say, well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Here's my big question. He says, I am your teacher and Lord. Is Jesus your teacher? It, you know, there's a running joke that we don't ever like to tell when Pastor Pat's not going to be here because we know that people don't show up. Guess what? Then Pastor Pat's, then, then Jesus Christ isn't your teacher. Pastor Pat's your teacher, right? And there's a, there's a good group in here, right? It's Valentine's Day weekend. Somebody's probably like, you really want to love me? You got to come to church with me, right? Or maybe you knew Pastor Jack was going to be here, and that's why you're all here, right? But listen, he says, I am your teacher and your Lord. And because I have done these things, you ought to do it also. Now, he didn't give us an example because some churches do this and they do a foot washing and they, they put that into something that they do as a routine. In the first century, there was no routine of them doing that, right? There was no tradition of that being done. And, and here we go again. We start trying to take the physical and say, oh, he's telling us that this is what we're supposed to be doing, so this is what we need to do. And they completely missed the point. He, it's supposed to be an inner humility that Jesus wants from us, not... Look, we're supposed to be focused on self-denial, not self-fulfillment. And not feeling like, hey, guess what? We had this foot washing and now we feel better about ourselves. I'm not going to say anything bad about that because if you've ever had somebody as a demonstration, 
wash your feet when this is being taught, it is a super humbling experience. Or if you've ever washed somebody else's feet, there is, there is, there, there's a very humbling experience about that. But to do it out of duty is not what Jesus is saying here. But what is he saying? And how are we to wash? Because here's the thing. Jesus is saying, I washed you and made you clean. You ought to wash one another. I'm telling you right now, there are marriages in here. There are people in here right now that forgiveness has already been asked for, but the spouse that has been wrong is refusing to wash that other spouse's feet. I'm not saying physically, but I am saying you are not freeing that person and that person still feels dirty. Although they have been forgiven, they still feel dirty. Listen, First uh, John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But yet, somebody has wronged us and we refuse to keep clean them from it. And I'm telling you right now, you will not have that freedom. And that person is stuck in that place where they still feel dirty. And the greatest thing that you can do for your marriage or for your family or for your parents or for your siblings or for somebody that you work with, the greatest thing that you can do is bring that to the light and say, you know what? I've been holding bitterness. I've been holding resentment. I'm wrong for that. And you know what? You need to be made clean from this. And I'm sorry. See, but pride will keep us from that because this is what pride does. You know, Jesus took the lowly position. He did the thing that nobody wanted to do. And a lot of the times you talk to somebody and there's confrontation or there's something going on, right? And you say, hey, guess what? You need to be the one that's more spiritual. You, not, not necessarily so much the bigger person, right? Because then that's just, hey, you know what? Me doing it out of selfish ambition. But because you have been made clean, because we have God's love, look, we're not working for God's love. We're working from God's love. And because he has given that to us, then we need to go and do likewise. But a lot of us sometimes say, hey, guess what? If they apologize, then I'll go ahead and do that. I'm not going to be the first one to step out and do this. That's wrong. That's wrong. And that's why Jesus says, I'm the teacher, I'm the master. And if I have done this, you ought to do it also. And a couple of verses later on, Jesus is going to say, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another as I have loved you. You know, it, it's not so much a new commandment because we know in Leviticus, it was given to them that they are to love one another as they love themselves. But Jesus is saying, no, 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 no. You love one another as I have loved you. Verse 16, most assuredly I say to you that a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who was sent greater than he who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you remember these things, if you keep it written down, if you tattoo it on you, no. It says, blessed are you if you do these things. It is very easy for us to see something and call dirt on somebody else. It's super easy. But if you're going to do that, make sure you pick up a towel and clean up afterwards. You guys have heard me say it before. You know, when a child spills milk, they don't need a lecture. They need a towel. 
If you're going to send some kind of a message, you know, text, text a message to the church through that text line or throw in a cute little note in the agape box saying that all this stuff's jacked up, hey, go ahead and, and fill out a ministry app when you submit that also. Pick up a towel and help out. Hey, we know that there's dirty stuff over here and we're doing the best that we can. But if you're really that concerned, either point it out and be done with it or point it out and go ahead and grab a towel as well. Because a lot of the times what we do is we point it out and then guess what? We start getting a committee of people that feel the same way that we do and we start calling it out. And I'm not just necessarily just saying within the church, but in other people's lives. Oh, well, guess what? We're just gathering around and praying for them. No. Pick up a towel and help them out. Because we can either be people that are just come to a building and we just say that we're coming to church or we can actually be the church. And that's what Jesus has called us to be. He has called us to be the church. Guys, in this world, if you look at what they're doing to one another, it's gross. And you know what they need? They need to be washed from this. They need a washing. And it will never happen if we don't do this in our homes, and it will never do it if we don't do it as a body of believers that come and say that we follow the one that did it for us. I love what Kennedy said. What did he say? He says, you know, it's not about what the country can do for you. It's about what you can do for the country. What if we all had that mentality? It's not about what the church is going to do for us. It's about what we can do for the church. But all too often, you know, I hear so many people like, yeah, we stopped going to Calvary because they don't have this and they don't have this. And this. it's like, okay, then. That's all right. And it, there will always be problems. But what are we going to do about it? I'm going to leave you with this um, if you've never looked this up, look this up. It's called Amish Grace. And it's a story about, I think in, it was 2007, 2006. It was a guy that went into this Amish community and went into a school. And he, he kicked the boys out and he murdered 10 girls that were in, in, in this classroom. And then he shot himself. And then the Amish community went to that man's mother's house and went and supported her and loved her and said, just like we have lost, a child, have lost children, so have you. When it came time for the funeral, the, the Amish community gathered together and they built, they, they didn't build a wall, but they stood together in line and, and created a wall. That way the media wouldn't be trying to videotape and, and, and make a story out of it. And years later, even still to this day, that, that mother and that Amish community, they still meet. One of the kids is actually paralyzed, and she, one day a week, takes care of one of the childs that her son crippled. Guess what, guys? When they went to her, they washed her. She was a believer. Uh, I was watching the, the video today, so she was talking about the gospel. I, I don't know the whole, the whole story. But guess what they did by going down there? Man, they washed her from it. She had been, she didn't have to walk in that community thinking that she's dirty and, and, and feeling that guilt and that shame. She knows that she's free from that. Guys, what would it be like if we did that in our homes, we did that in our community? Guys, and we did that in our community where we live. It's not what you do for your church. It's not what the church is going to do for you. It's what you can do for the church. Guys, let's stand up and pray.